does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Wednesday. Hanging out with you, KB and Andy. Got you until 10 o'clock. Busy, busy 8 o'clock hour coming up for us. Stephen Holder from ESPN will join us at the top of the hour. Always love catching up with him on a Wednesday. Greg Doyle coming up at 8.30. Uh, the always opinionated Greg Doyle. I'm sure he'll have something today uh, that'll get us talking. All right, so we have depth chart stuff. I have a Jonathan Taylor uh, just conversation that I want to have here as we go today. Before we do that, I want to deliver on something, okay? Um, KB, I want you to listen to something. Now, you may have you may have already seen this. Riley Leonard had his big moment against Clemson yesterday, or two, what was it, two nights ago? Uh, the Duke quarterback stiff-arming safeties. Yeah, He's uh-huh. run into the end zone. They storm the field. I did see a meme where, you know, how much we all watch Duke basketball and we hate them, yet we love and we were cuddling Duke football as they were beating as they were beating Clemson the other night. Have you followed this homework story from Riley Leonard, the quarterback there at Duke? Have you followed this at all? Yeah, like didn't the professor say something? Like he got he, he, kind of got on his high horse. Yes, yes, kind of. Well, I don't know if it's just all set up. So I want you guys' thoughts on this. Okay, so Riley Leonard after the game, uh, the ACC Network put this out. Uh, Riley Leonard, please. It was Professor. Taylor, let me turn in my homework late. It was due that night at midnight, and that game probably when he was done with all the the interviews and everything else, it was probably midnight or close to it. And then the second voice you'll hear is Dr. Don Taylor. thought he was going to do the homework after the game? Well, I guess he thought he was going to submit it after the game, or do the homework after the game. The game started at 8, not at noon. (laughs) Well, well, that's the point. That's that's what I was going to ask you. Is Leonard in the wrong here he's supposed to be the quarterback he's supposed to have or the you know all the forethought academic advisor to press send on his <laughs> submission paper at halftime i know come on duke what are you doing all right so take a listen professor taylor if you're seeing this let me turn in my homework late because it's due tonight i think it's 12 so it may already be 12 hey riley great game last night man it was so exciting congratulations to you and all your teammates but you know Wesley Williams and the other linemen who were in the class, they said they prepared ahead and did it ahead of time, so why didn't the quarterback? So no way, man. No extension. All right, so no extension. Oh, are you okay. are you that, an that extension? That was the first time that, that, that I had heard that. You know, as, <laughs> This spring no will extension. be my fifth year uh, teaching down at IU, and the fact that I think there were other players in the class that got it done – Sorry about you, Riley. I don't think it'll impact Riley's future, which I have a feeling there will be some Sunday aspect to it in the NFL. I know he was someone that people had ranked relatively high in the quarterbacks that could come out next year. So, um, yeah, I say... Is that Sorry set about up? you and enjoy your you know ten percent off for being a day late. <laughs> is it is it yeah? Is it set it, up? It there? sounds a little set okay. up. Okay, but it's a bad. It's a okay. So I don't know. Is it a bad job by Riley or is it a bad job bad by job the professor? By Riley. Duke's okay. got to uphold its prestige. If Duke wants to ever you know <laughs> think about Big Ten presidents coveting them, then they need to hold up their strong academic right. reputation. Right, right, yeah, because th- that's what matters so much to the to the big no extension. No extension. I've oh, got, come I'm on. a little worried about Duke for my Irish here coming up. Yeah, that's what everyone in the ACC is. Now. I'm worried about Duke. You're, well, you're a Notre Dame fan, please. You're not worried about no damn Duke football. Now, Come on. Notre you're a Notre Dame, Dame fan. 28 straight games against <laughs> ACC opponents. How about this four-game stretch for the Irish here? At Ohio State, this is in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Or, excuse me, home to Ohio State, at Duke, at Louisville, home to USC. There you go. There you go. Mark, did you like how this became a Notre Dame segment? It always uh, does. Out of, Riley, out of Riley Leonard not turning this in his homework. This is taking a national story and bringing it local. Come on now. Just wait till we're talking like Colts and all of a sudden he pivots. And he's like, hey, how about Micah Shrewsbury and Notre Dame basketball? Like, home okay, to Ohio go, State. Go lather at yourself Duke, off. At Louisville and then home to USC. That's a four-game stretch right there. Yeah, it is a four-game four stretch. That's what it is. Three ranked opponents. I know. 
Louisville could be ranked. Are they ranked? I don't know if they are. They might be on they the back end of the top right twenty-five. Now. They have Murray State this week. Anyway, uh, depth chart stuff. Do you want to di- do you want to dive sure. into that? Uh, you had the piece up. We can talk about Jonathan Taylor here in just a minute. Again, Stephen Holder going to join us at the top of the hour here on the fan. Uh, you have the piece up. I mean, to me, depth chart wise, nothing really stood out too much. I hate to hate to just say it like that, but what stood out to you? Uh, as obviously we get a week one depth chart and everything else. Well, I, I think the fact that Josh Downs is positioned as a starter, I, I think that stands out to me. Um, I know when they released their first depth chart a few weeks back, it was Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, Josh Downs should be the, the yep, starter. He should. As the slot wide out, he's a guy that I'm pretty intrigued by. Uh, a couple other things of note offensively. The fact that you're going to walk into week one and your backup offensive tackles are two rookies drafted on the final day of the draft uh, gives me some worry, gives me some pause. You know, Braden Smith has you know battled the occasional injury here of the last couple of years. Bernard Ryman was really healthy last season, but still, um, you just never know. I mean, we saw Danny Pinter when he got rolled up on in that Philadelphia preseason game. Uh, that is concerning when you have a rookie quarterback. I think one of the few pauses people had about potentially playing Anthony Richardson early was, you know, what if your offensive line can't handle it? What if it looks like the group that you saw last year? Well, all of a sudden, if you have an injury or two at tackle, we saw how Bernard Ryman performed as a third-round pick last year. Now you could be asking, again, if an injury happens, uh, to day three drafted rookie. So guys drafted after Ryman uh, to be in position there. So um, I think that is something that stood out. Defensively, I expect, Shaquille Leonard, and we'll see exactly where he's at concussion protocol. Um, assuming he gives it a go here in the opener on Sunday, I still think EJ Speed is going to rotate in a bit with him. That would be out of the norm for Leonard based off his career. He's usually been a guy that plays every single snap. I don't think we're going to see that this season from him. Um, and then yesterday, Andy was also just a reminder of how young they are at corner. Right. I think we knew that, but it was confirmation of the three-man nickel group that we saw throughout the offseason of Kenny Moore, and then the two outside guys would be Daryl Baker Jr., and it would be Dallas Flowers. That is two undrafted free agents from last season that will be on the field a ton on Sunday. And again, the opponent on Sunday, in my opinion, this is probably the deepest wideout core you're going to face all year long. Love Mike DiRocco, who covers the Jags for ESPN, join us tomorrow. But I think the anticipation for Calvin Ridley is very high in Jacksonville. So now when you throw Calvin Ridley out there with Christian Kirk, with Zay Jones, with Evan Ingram. With ETN out of the backfield. Travis yeah. ETN as well. I mean... Evan Ingram. You mentioned said it on yesterday's show. I mean, Trevor Lawrence completed 86% of his passes against the Colts last year. 86%. And now you're adding a guy that was a 1,300-yard wideout last time we saw him in a full season in Calvin Ridley. So um, it is quite the week one test, and it's why your defensive line, to me, is such an important position group on Sunday afternoon if you want to have competitive moments in the fourth quarter. Yeah, two things. I, I think number one, the uh, this is how I this is how I feel, and it's it's magnified with the Colts. Okay, and that is when you have an offensive lineman go down. It feels like the backup offensive lineman is nowhere near, <laughs> is nowhere near, right, where the starter is. Like if Josh Downs were out for a couple series, McKenzie could come in and it would not be the end of the world, right? You would run a different, I mean, like I feel like that with quarterback, maybe Minshew could come in and it wouldn't be the end of the world. But I very much agree with you where offensive line is thin with experience. If they have injuries, that ain't going to be good. The other thing, Cal. Calvin Ridley is the first guy to be suspended with the gambling thing that we're all watching to see how he bounces back after missing an entire year, correct? And the poor corners for the Colts, the I mean, they're going to get the first sniff uh, at it, right? I mean, Ridley missed the entire season. And, you know, there's guys that we care about, but, I mean, Ridley was a star. Yeah, yeah. He Ridley was a wide receiver not, one. Yeah, I mean, he's not Isaiah Rodgers. He's not Rashad Barry. No, I mean, he's guy. a wide receiver one, yeah. Suspended. I think when you look at Jacksonville in in general, they strike me as a team that has just great offensive balance. Um, When you looked at last year's matchups with them, again, Lawrence got into such an easy rhythm in both of those. And I think their potency on offense is why they're kind of a sleeper team in the AFC. Because, and I say sleeper in like, 
I'm talking one or two seed sleeper. And I know that might be high praise to throw out in Jacksonville. Some people are saying that. But when you compare their schedule to a Kansas City schedule or to a Buffalo schedule or to a Cincinnati schedule, they just don't get the weekend, week out, brutal nature to their division like those other teams get. And I think they've got Kansas City at home. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's next week. So if the Travis Kelsey injury is going to linger at all, now all of a sudden they're going to get Kansas City. In, yeah, they do next week. It's a know, one o'clock game. How about that? Degree Florida heat, and they could not have Kelsey for that matchup. And obviously that that is a rematch of what we saw in the playoffs. But again, as we inch closer to Sunday, Andy, the Colts' defensive line. You brought them up in the opening segment as. They can be judged separately from Anthony Richardson this season. I thought that was a great mm-hmm. point that you made of this is a group that needs to be a playmaking unit for you for several reasons. One, for the amount of investment you have into it. Two, your back end is not filled with experience at all. So you've got to help that group out. And I think so many times when you see you know, high completion percentage numbers, a high efficiency for an opposing quarterback, we pinpoint so much of that on the secondary. I think it starts up front in your ability to disrupt I agree that, with you. that timing. Yeah, I agree with and you. It's happened way too often against this opponent where Gardner Minshew, when he played for Jacksonville, would get into these unbelievable rhythms against the Colts and you blink and all of a sudden you're down two scores. To the Jags. So that's where I think as we look ahead towards Sunday, Cam Robinson, their starting left tackle, suspended for the first four games of the season. Their backup tackle, Walker Little, who the Colts thought had no shot of being a kind of a quality left tackle in the NFL. He is likely the guy there, but he's been banged up in the preseason. So you could be looking at a banged up backup offensive tackle at that left tackle spot. Maybe even a third stringer in there. Obviously, if you're the Colts, you got to be loving that. So, can you take advantage of that? Because for me, that's the only reason um, the Colts, you know, will potentially have a chance in the fourth quarter. You know what? Do you know who Jacksonville is? And this might be unfair to compare them to an ACC school. Uh, you know, the ACC is like, all right, at football, maybe it's Boise State back in the day. Uh, KB, you could probably help me with this, but you mentioned like like a Buffalo in the AFC East, or even what Kansas City in the schedule. They have going. You could even look at some NFC teams. I think the NFC East is going to be pretty strong. You can convince me two, three teams make the postseason there, and they have a bunch of you know seven, eight win teams, the Giants, Commanders, whatever it may be. Jacksonville feels like, and maybe it's just their jerseys. They feel like the the non Power Five team that it's like, can they make the college football? <laughs> can they make the are college they coastal football Carolina? Playoff? I don't with, know with their jersey yeah, color. I was trying to be nicer and going Boise State yeah, because TCU people you back, you know, with back, Gary. Patterson. Yeah, with Gary Patterson, I was trying to think because you're right. You're like, well, the weekend, week out schedule that the Bills have, and you're exa- and you're or the Bengals or the Bengals again. The Steelers oh, yeah, are going to be much. Yeah, the Steelers are going to be much better. I mean, the Browns. Me and Mark were here listening to ESPN Radio, and they were talking about the Browns think they're a dark horse to make the the Super Bowl. I'm like, they're the only ones, but that's how these teams, even at the bottom, you know, the MC East, the Commanders, Washington's stupid. That name's so stupid. They're at the bottom. But they think, oh, yeah, you know, Sam Howell will be fine. We can we can make the postseason. Uh, yeah, the Jags definitely don't. Now, I think the Titans are going to be better. And I think if you told me the Titans bounced up and won, the, the which we can talk about later in the week, the AFC South, that wouldn't surprise me. Am I going to pick that? I don't know. Uh, but I'm with you. It's not like the Bengals having to go against the Steelers. And I'm a, I'm a big proponent. Of, I think the Ravens are going to bounce back a ton this season as well. I know you want to get to a what if with Jonathan sure. Taylor. So just last point on the depth chart. And by the way, there's uh, got an article up on the website, 12 thoughts on the Colts depth chart, the first regular season one that was released yesterday. Where did 12 come from? Not 10? Just not a round number? Number, not five thoughts, yeah, twelve I, thoughts, or I always like a dozen. Okay, you know. Okay. Uh, with the fifth, Riley asked this: With the fifth wideout spot open, do we see rookie Will Mallory more than we all expected? Three tight end sets. I feel like he's a guy that could line up off sure. the line. Some. I am intrigued by Mallory. I I, I like this tight end group. Um, Drew Ogletree is a guy that I, I am intrigued by as well. But I think we're making a little bit too much out of this. Who is the fifth wideout? I get that having four on your fifty-three man roster stands out. But it's like you don't really involve a fifth wideout on game day. I said this to Joel Erickson. We had him on yesterday. Andy, for me, it comes down to an injury to Michael Pittman or Alec Pierce. Now you're scrambling. But if those two are healthy, when you look at the depth at tight end, when you look at what you have with Josh Downs and a little bit of the gadget role for Isaiah McKenzie, 
that should be enough just quantity-wise. I'm not saying quality-wise, but quantity-wise, that should be enough. Obviously, the Ashton Doolin injury is why you're scrambling a little bit. They'll call up somebody from the practice squad. But I don't think, unless an injury to Pittman or Pierce happens, I don't think we're going to be sitting here on Monday and saying, man, the fifth wideout really cost the Colts in that one. Like I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. The quality of the group, we can debate, but the quantity of it, Man, here, here's a fifth wide out on game day. L- l- I think there's enough. Really I think there's a lot of snaps. Listen, I, I'm I'm with you. The only thing I would say, the Colts probably carrying four, and you think that number can move to five, is going to be less than many others. Like sure. right, like and, right and now, it just is, is. That is indicative of maybe your overall talent in that room. The fact well, that you well, and don't you have five tight ends. Yeah, the fact <laughs> that you don't have a fifth wide out there, um, and it will matter. Like week two last year, you went down to Jacksonville and you got shut out. What happened in that game? You didn't have Michael Pittman or Alec Pierce in that game. I mean, right. You got exposed. I mean, right. If you don't have them, yeah. The Paris Campbell, the most right. impactful play he had that game was an offensive pass interference, which is a hey, huge leave play. Paris, leave Paris Campbell in alone. He's game. my fifth wide receiver now. So, okay, settle down. I, I think we're making a little bit too much of the whole fifth wide out. Yeah, thing. like Jacksonville has seven right now. I, I looked up Giants six, Bengals six. I'm going to go through and just and look them up. Part of that is just overall quality of those rooms. Like those rooms are just really, really yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, you look but, at Cincinnati; it's a freak show. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they have three guys that are baller. Actually, they have four. They got, uh, who's my man? Charlie from Purdue. Charlie Jones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have him out there, too, just sitting around. You know, most teams could use yeah, him. Charlie Jones would come here and would easily be, like, that first guy <laughs> off the bench. Oh, we be, we, yes. It, where this is going to rear its ugly head is if you're losing games and you have an injury and it's like, oh, there's no there's, yeah, there's no wide receiver. Yeah, there, yeah, there's no wide receiver. People say, how can they go into a game with four wide receivers? The arrogance of Chris Ballard. That's maybe not game one, but that's where, yeah, arrogance that's where you're going to see that. the quality of the room than, than the quality, which... I guess they can kind of go hand in hand, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, okay, I know. Just in four or five minutes here, just wanted to throw this uh, Colts fans' way as well. Stephen Holder will join us. Then Greg Doyle, busy eight o'clock hour here on the wake up call. Um, and I found myself because I know at some point, what have we, have we decided as a show on Friday? We're all going to give uh, our picks on how many games they're going to win, and you know we're going to be the sports radio guys Feet to the fire. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. we're going to have the predictions, and we can put them on the website and everything else. Uh, and so obviously. Obviously, I've been thinking, you know, do I think they're going to win seven? Do I think they're going to win four? Is, is it somewhere in between? And I will probably settle on five or six. And, you know, we have been, you know, obviously on the show have been talking so much about Jonathan Taylor. I'm just throwing it out there. How would we be talking about this team if Taylor were practicing and we knew he was going to play, right? And then that means, okay, let's say he didn't, let's say he's not happy with his contract, okay? It's a Mike Evans situation, right? Or I think even Saquon Barkley would have played this year. He wasn't going to sit out. You know the player, you know Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. Wants a new deal. Uh, Saquon Barkley, you knew he wanted a new deal. But those guys are going to play football. Let's say, and let's apply that, KB, to Jonathan Taylor. He's out there. He didn't get me. He's practicing, you know, practicing and everything. He's meeting with the media. He didn't play in the preseason or anything like that. What would that do to the conversation, to the we're taking our lumps this season conversation. What would that do to the win-loss conversation around here? Uh, Running backs are devalued so very much, but I feel like Colts fans, if you think they're a five-win team, if you think they're a five-win team, to to me, many Colts fans, I think they would add a couple wins at least just because they know Jonathan Taylor. He is the game breaker. He's the star of the team. Uh, That's something I, you know, just over the next couple days, I am trying to kind of sort it out myself, and I wonder what Colts fans feel. If Jonathan Taylor were unhappy, but he was going to be out there game one, and you're like, okay, this guy's going to get 15, 20 you know, touches, whatever it may be, how would that change the way that we're discussing the team and nationally how the team is being discussed? Yeah, I'd say you definitely bump up the wins by a couple. I mean, obviously, you go back to that 2021 season and think, Gosh, the Colts finished that year over 500 with Carson Wentz at quarterback. Well, yeah, Jonathan Taylor running for 1,800 yards had a huge part in the Colts being on the brink of playoff clinch before they just pissed down their legs in the final couple weeks of that season. Um, 
And I think more than anything, Andy, it would just be a little bit less like Jacksonville last night. Okay, it's the big game plan night of the NFL. It's Tuesday night mm-hmm. of a game week. Well, you know, Mike Caldwell, their defensive coordinator, I, I don't think he lost a whole lot of sleep over Deion Jackson and Evan Hall. You know, if it's Jonathan Taylor back there, it's just more attention that Jacksonville has to account for, and it's less on the eyes of Anthony Richardson, and it's more on other guys. So I think it would take more of the playmaking off of Richardson's play. Like, right now, I'm like... Oh, he's going to have to do everything. Richardson's got to do it all. He's going to have to lead the the team in rushing, passing, everything. Yeah, like, all of the playmaking has got to come from number five because I think in the preseason, what you saw is you saw running backs get what was blocked, whereas Taylor has the ability to get you a little bit more than what is blocked. Um, So I think those are some of the areas where you're going to feel his loss. I think what it would do, it would make everyone feel better uh, ab- about this season without the cloud of negativity. I don't know if it's toxicity, whatever it is, that feeling. And maybe it goes away. I feel like it's went away now that we're in game week. You know, we haven't talked much Jonathan Taylor. Now we did have Monday off. Uh, so it's on the second show this week. But we haven't been focusing on just Jonathan Taylor. That's what we did for two weeks around here, KB, is everything in the lead was Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor trade. Jonathan Taylor this. Chris Ballard's going to meet with the media. What's he going to say what did he say and everything like that and so maybe it dissipates over the next three four weeks and it becomes a story again down the line I I have assumption that it probably will Um, I just feel like everyone would feel much better about this team and it would it, it would also take away some of the excuses that we're probably going to hear about a young team if you had Jonathan Taylor on the team did you see we got a uh oh Malkikawa Jonathan Taylor related tweet last night Okay, I did not see this. We got to take a break. What did it say? So, uh, we How did I miss had this? many of these. Here I know. How did I miss as this? As of late. So, Malki Kawa, of course, the agent to Jonathan Taylor, he retweeted a pro football focus stat that listed, I want to say it was since 2021, the running backs in the league that have the most rushes of at least 10 yards. So, basically, the big play running backs right. in the NFL. Taylor is second. On that list, Nick Chubb leads it with 88. <laughs> I'm looking at it. Jonathan Taylor is second at 71. I don't think anyone had more than, and if you're looking at it, I'm looking at it now, No one yeah. had more than 66. Is that right? Uh, correct. So no, Taylor no. at 71, Chubb at 88, and then I thought third was like yeah, 66. Yeah, Dalvin list. Cook was 66, then Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Lamar Jackson, Hurts, Allen, Miles Sanders, Ramondre Stevenson. So it goes Mulky Cabo with a JT is a beast. Beast. On the retweet there. It was just a reminder, I guess, to the overall question that you bring up, Andy. You know, what if, what would the would conversation be? I mean, Jonathan Taylor has missed six games since that stat came out since 2021 and he's second on the list 50 practices oh yeah yeah he's second on the list by a wide margin yeah. there so yeah. that is what you'd be getting out of a when you're talking big play potential home run ability that is what you are lacking again we have not seen Colts practice today the first regular season practice here in 2023 no running back move on the veteran market We'll ask Stephen Holder his thoughts on that on the other side. It's a wake-up call with KB and Andy on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Stephen Holder, ESPN, going to join us here in just a moment. Greg Doyle will join us at the bottom of the hour. As always, hanging out with you, 8 o'clock hour in the drivehubler.com studios. It is the wake-up calls. We get you ready for Colts and Jags game week, week one. NFL gets going. Uh, Cannot wait to get things going. But let's head right now to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen Holder joins us from ESPN. Stephen, first, good morning. And second, I just want to 
to put a bow on a conversation KB and I were having. You know, if Jonathan Taylor uh, were here with the Colts, not happy, but if he were healthy and ready to go and we knew he was going to be playing week one, how would the feel around this team, how would it be different, not only win-loss-wise, but also maybe some of the drama we've seen over the last few weeks? So start there. If it's a what-if, if JT were here, how do you think we'd be talking about this team today? Well, it would it would certainly have a positive impact on on their outlook. That's for sure. I think, particularly with with Jacksonville, I don't think Jacksonville is going to roll over or anything like that, or, or be some kind of disappointment. But they do have some concerns on defense, and you know, look, it, the Colts' biggest uh, I think question is what their offense is going to look like with a rookie quarterback. So, you know, Jonathan Taylor. It could be a stabilizing force for an offense that is trying to figure itself out right now. And I think it's it's the one thing, if he were healthy and he were in the lineup, he would be the one known commodity you could go to and say, well, we know what we're going to get there. The rest of it is very largely dependent on the quarterback. And so that's a little less reliable because we don't know what Anthony Richardson is going to look like. Steven, we're about four hours away from the Colts' first practice of the regular season. The only veteran running back move they've made amidst all these rumors and visits and workouts, etc., was Kenyon Drake being here for, what, three weeks, four weeks, and then he got cut yeah. at the end of the preseason. So what, if anything, does that tell you about you know their running back situation, Zach Moss's health? Um, I mean, right now it's Deion Jackson and Evan Hall on Sunday pending Zach Moss. Yeah, I don't love it. <laughs> they start with that. But I do think there is a business aspect to this. I think, as some listeners may know, you know, when you have a, a vested veteran, you know, so say take Kareem Hunt, who is a, a veteran player, been in the NFL longer than four seasons. When they're on the, when they're on the roster week one uh, for that week one game, if they are on the roster that week, uh, you are entitled to pay the balance of their regular season salary if they are cut at a later date so let's say Jonathan Taylor comes back and plays at some point and looks good uh, well I mean he's going to be your guy right and they may have some some other contributors but he's going to be the main guy and in a case like that if you did sign a complimentary back you know to fill in well you very likely would cut that guy well, under that scenario, you'd owe them the rest of the season. So that is is one possibility. Of course, there's lots of backs they could sign who are not, you know, necessarily veteran players. But uh, but but that I think at least applies for those scenarios. But other than that, I mean, I, I really think at this point, <laughs> I don't know that there's much to be gained by bringing somebody in right now. Uh, you you really can't get them up to speed, I don't think, you know, before Sunday. So I think what they have is what they have. Uh, whether they should have done that over the last few weeks is a different question. But as far as week one, I don't think there's ho- I don't think there's a whole lot they can do in terms of getting somebody ready to play. I think they have what they have right now. Steven Holder's with us from ESPN.com. Again, the Colts and Jags, 1 o'clock coming up on Sunday for the season opener. All right, shifts and gears, Anthony Richardson. Whether it's the big playability, whether it's improved accuracy, whether it's just frankly having to respond to unscripted situations, if you had to kind of pinpoint one area that you think is a little bit more above the rest for Anthony Richardson here in year one, what's the one area that you're maybe focused on more than some of the others? I think if he can get consistently on target with the routine throws, and that is something we knew. We knew this was, would be an issue, and it is, and it's fine, right? I, I don't think it's a, a deal-breaker. I don't feel differently about him. I fully expected this. But some of the, the, the quick slants, some of the quick outs, those kinds of things, if he can get more consistently accurate with that, he's going to be a dangerous quarterback because – Right now, it's the consistency that I think is, is going to hold him back. And, again, I totally expected this. I still think he can be impactful in spite of it. But if he can really get – I don't mean be perfect, but if he can just make some con, some gains in that area in, in terms of consistency, now you have a really potentially dangerous guy because what he lacks is polish. We know he can make explosive plays and he can do things that, that almost no one else can. And, and frankly, we've only gotten a taste of it, let's be clear, because they're not, they haven't been running the designed runs that Shane Steichen is absolutely going to use to his heart's content. Okay? 
so I think if he does that, if Anthony Richardson can kind of figure out how to just get a little more consistent with take your time, set your feet, those are the things he's not doing. If you can do that, now you've got now you're cooking with gas. And and the other thing I would add, just this is not the question, but but just something to kind of put in the back of your head. I have consistently heard over the past few months that that they have a plan that that we have not seen for Anthony Richardson. And I don't think it's going to be some shocker, but but they have a very clear blueprint on the things that that they think will work. We haven't seen them yet. And the, the Jaguars haven't seen them either. So I think there's going to be some potential for some really um, optimum situations on Sunday. I'm not saying the Colts are going to win. I'm just saying there will be some surprises for Jacksonville that they're not really equipped to handle because they haven't seen it on tape. And I, I think the Colts see that as a huge advantage, at least early in the season. Yeah, there's no doubt what uh, playing in two preseason games, nine series in the preseason. There's a lot out there we haven't seen of Anthony Richardson. Stephen Holder with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, you know, uh, being a radio gas bag myself, uh, what, you know, me and KB here, sometimes you, it's not about stats. It's that you talk from the gut. What do you think your, your gut reaction? What do you think is going to happen? What's your gut feeling on how Anthony Richardson plays on Sunday? Any strong feeling? I think he's going to play just fine relative to his expectations. I mean, I just outlined what the issues are, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the consistency. I think that's baked into the cake. And so I'm not, I'm not predicting a perfect game from this guy, but I'm predicting a game where I don't know what the numbers look like, but I, I see a game where, where he makes some big plays and he shows what the ceiling could be for him. I, I think you're going to see it. I think we've already seen – some shades of it and really what this is going to depend on i think is can some guys make some plays for him i think that philadelphia game for me it it was just i mean it was it was deflating if you're if you're a colts fan to see the quarterback out there doing things that that look very promising and nobody making a play for him so i think that starts to happen you're going to start to really see the picture and the vision of what Anthony Richardson can be. But right now, I think he's got to have that. Don't put all of this on this quarterback. Right. He's already, he already doesn't have much of a backfield, or at least a depleted backfield. Right. So it's the, the receivers, the tight ends, somebody's got to step up. These guys got to go make a play for him. The, the balls are not going to be perfect. He's working with windows that he's not accustomed to. This is the NFL. Uh, the timing is different. Everything is faster. I mean, from the preseason to the regular season, it's going to be completely different. So help the kid out. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I, I don't think he got a lot of help around him in that preseason from a variety of players uh, when we saw him on the field. Again, Stephen Holder's with us here from ESPN.com. Stephen, uh, non-Richardson division, non-Taylor division, the individual for the Colts you're most curious about this season? Hmm. Um, I think for me... Maybe this is a, a blanket answer, but I mean, I want to see a pass rusher, and I mean an edge rusher. I'm not talking about the Forrest Buckner. I want to see an edge rusher step up and and be somebody. Like go get the quarterback, man. Uh, that is going to be a, an issue for this team. I don't see how it's not. I just cannot see how it's not an issue. They are extremely young at corner. Uh, you can tell me you love those guys all day long. Okay, congratulations. But until I've seen them go up there and, and stop Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence, then it's just words. You know what I mean? So, so that, that's a related issue, right? So you have this secondary that has to earn your trust. They have not earned it yet. They have to earn your trust. And then you're going to now you know, co- compound that with an edge rush that we just haven't seen consistently get to the quarterback. So... I get all the all the, the plan that they have of this pass rush by committee. I don't want a pass rush by committee. <laughs> I agree. I, I want Nick Bosa, but I mean he's not available, right? So yeah, pass rush by committee and getting sacks off of effort only gets you so far. Yeah, and they do have look. They have some guys who play hard. I mean, and and I don't. I hate doing this because it sounds like it's it's a, a it sounds like it's a slight. But to take a guy like Tyquan Lewis. Tyquan Lewis is not like physically gifted as as some of the elite pass rushers, 
but he plays relentlessly, right? He keeps coming. He keeps coming. He's a high motor. He's he's flex. He's uh, excuse me, versatile. All those things that that help you maximize your talent. So that's great. That is wonderful. But that's not going to that's not going to help you when you've got you know a left tackle and a tight end chipping you on third down and third and eight with the game on the line. That's not going to help you, right? I mean, you got to you got to be able to slice through that and go get the quarterback because you're just athletically gifted and more athletically gifted than the guy in front of you. Like that's what they don't have. So is it Quiddy Pay? I don't think he's that type of guy. I think he is a strong side defensive end, and the Colts seem to agree because that's what they're doing with him. But somebody has to step up. I'm just telling you, I'm not saying they're playing, you know, Mahomes and company this year necessarily. They do get a little bit of a break on the schedule in terms of the quarterbacks. But, I mean, the NFL is all about throwing the ball and getting the passer. I mean, that is at the most fundamental level what the NFL is about. Stephen Holder with us here on the fan. He's on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Uh, I think we all kind of understand the the win loss record, where about it's going to be, and we can get your prediction or whatever later uh, here in the interview. But evaluating Shane Steichen yesterday, Stephen Holder, uh, yesterday, Stephen, I said, you know, hey, I, I want to see a clean game. I want to see a clean team, yeah. not a bunch of penalties, not having ten guys on the field, not doing some of the silly stuff like we saw at Florida and Billy Napier a couple days ago and of course the offense of course Anthony Richardson but uh, being a team that is just solid uh, kind of in those small little areas that's what I'm going to look out for how will you be evaluating the head coach I think that's actually a great place to start Uh, one of the things that you can't afford to do when when your talent level is in question and let's be honest it is they have some talent questions right and so be that as it may or just taking that into account, I should say, you can't afford to be a stupid team. And I, I, I don't use the term lightly. I mean, like, when you're a stupid team, and I'm not saying they are, but I'm saying don't be that team. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you're a stupid team, you give your opponent easy points. You, you put the game on a platter. You know, it's penalties, it's mistakes, it's drops, it's all of those things that that cost you games. They can't afford to do that. Of course, bad teams do do those things, which is why they're bad teams. But I want to see some progress in those areas. Now, I thought that they they were a pretty detailed team for a long time, and, and that started to wane, I think, in 2021. And that was kind of Frank Reich's undoing to, to some extent. So I, I would encourage everybody, Not I'm not a big self-promoter, but I would encourage everybody to go to my Twitter feed. So the pinned tweet on top of my Twitter feed is a story on Shaden Steichen that I did last week. I actually wrote about something other than Jonathan Taylor, which people will be you know surprised to learn. But anyhow, um, in this story, you're going to, I think, learn a lot about just how he approaches coaching. And one of the things that his players and coaches all say, including Richie Wade, who I thought outlined this perfectly, he's like, this guy is like, he's not detail-oriented. He's like detail-obsessed. It's crazy how detailed he is. And to the point where Reggie's like, man, I wish I, I kind of wish I had a coach like him when I played. And Reggie mm. played for, like, some pretty good coaches. So it, it was very interesting to, to hear their comments. And I don't know what it ultimately leads to or what, it, what the, the, the final picture looks like. But I definitely think he, number one, he is impeccably smart. There's no question. Shane Sykin is, like, People have said he's genius-level smart. I don't know that. I'm just telling you what people say, number one. Number two, he is just obsessive about every little thing. And, and you have to be because it all matters, especially when you don't have maybe the, the most elite talent in the NFL. Yeah, I think players like, and this is kind of a weird way to put it, they like his swagger via his confidence borderline cockiness. And, and it's yeah, probably it's a, a weird mix, right? Yeah, I it's agree. Probably like a quiet cockiness, yep. but and I would say his intelligence is a big reason why they've kind of gravitated towards that. Okay, last one from me, Stephen. Um, and again, Stephen's latest, by the way, that's uh, from Shooting Hoops to Ball Security, Shane Steichen. 
making impact on Colts. But uh, last one for me, I, I I don't know. It's weird to kind of ask like a week one injury question, but do you assume Shaquille Leonard plays on Sunday? I'm thinking, you know, he practiced like a week ago without a red jersey on, unless he had another setback, or I, I should say, unless he had a setback from a concussion protocol, I would assume he would play on Sunday, right? I, I would too. I think what you have to take into account is – they they've been off, frankly. They haven't had a, a true practice. So right, last Thursday was their last one. Right. So I'm assuming it's just a a concussion protocol uh, procedural thing. Uh, this is again barring, like you said, barring a setback, and those can always happen. But assuming that he that he hits all the steps as we would expect, I I do kind of expect him to play. Um, he seems like he's doing okay. I mean, we saw him in the locker room. We we have seen him in the locker room. Yeah, I, I think um, several times, right? So, I mean, I, I believe uh, EJ Speed also in the protocol as well. Right. So, uh, and he, I mean, he's walking around uh, dancing to the music in the locker room the other day. You know, so b- both of them, in fact. So, I I guess they're going to be okay. They look like they're on track as long as, as you said, there's no setbacks. All right, last one for me, Stephen Holder joining us, ESPN.com. Uh, and these have, it's a two-parter. They, they, they have nothing to do with each other, but I just kind of want just a, a word on both. Who do you think wins the AFC South, and what did you make of Deion Sanders' prime time over the weekend? Hmm. So, <laughs> AFC South, I mean, I'm going with Jacksonville, but, but kind of reluctantly because I, I think... Jacksonville ended the season really well last year, but but frankly, I mean, I, I don't know if they're they haven't shown any consistency yet, right? So that's what they got to do. Now I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because I don't love this division, okay? so, right? Right. So that's that is what it is. Now, Dion, look, I, <laughs> I, I let me tell you. First of all, okay, talk about showing people up. I mean, talk about you know changing the narrative. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a single game change of narrative like that in, at any level. You know, you rarely will see that big of a narrative change. The, the thing that's interesting to me is uh, I, they're clearly far better than we ever thought, and, and that is going to be true no matter what. I want to see how it flips now when there now are expectations for that team. How do they handle that? You know, and then how do they handle disappointments when they come, right? Because now, I mean, look, if one one thing Dion's going to do is Dion is going to talk and he's going to tell you how good he is, how good they are and and that is that's a two that's a double edged sword <laughs> so I love it but I I think my criticism of Dion has always been like hey man don't make it about you as much you know what I mean but he, he that's just him he he's going to do that and and look to his own peril or not he's going to do that so hey but it's fun and and you know what. I sure as hell didn't give a damn about Colorado football. <laughs> exactly. So uh, they got they got that going for him. Could you see him ever coaching the NFL, Stephen? Or you think this is more of a college oh, thing? Man. I that's interesting. I think he's definitely cut out for college. Right. His, his style is definitely cut out for college. I would probably side more towards college, but I am curious if yeah. the NFL ever like gets there to where they're a little bit more open minded about such a dominant personality at, at yeah. that head coach spot. Yeah, co- college football basically is and even even with nil i mean college football is basically about coaches yep yeah I mean, oh, yep. the coaches are the, the walking brand. Are the ones that matter right in the nfl coaches like you know they come and they go they don't matter they just don't right i mean they matter but i mean they're they're not who we pay attention to so it would be a i don't know if, if it'd be a fit for him i don't know if he'd want that you know it'd be very different also by the way the money's not that much better. <laughs> no, well, no, yeah, you're exactly I mean, you imagine right. what an SEC school is about to be paying Dion here in the plus, next. Couple plus, you of years. can flip your team. You got 80 new guys. Yeah, you're in full control <laughs> over it. You yeah. can't exactly. cut everyone in the NFL. Yeah. yeah what dude. do you mean? There's a salary cap. <laughs> yeah, transfer portal. What? You mean I can't go get Travis Hunter and my son if I just want to? Snap of a finger there. So, uh, all right, Stephen, we'll see you later today out at uh, Colts' first practice of the regular season. Thank you. All right, guys. See you soon. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Appreciate Stephen Holder joining us. Greg Doyle going to join us here in just a second. Reminder to join the fan on Wednesday, September 20th, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. for the Radio 1 and Martin University Career Fair. Get your foot in the door. Have your resume reviewed by HR professionals. And it's a good deal here. Get a free headshot all September 20th from 10 to 4 at Martin University. For details, head to 1075thefan.com. Uh, all right, Greg Doyle joins us now on the program. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He has a bunch of stuff right up uh, right now at the Indy Star. Always love when he can carve out a few minutes for us here on the wake up call. Greg, first, good morning. Uh, second, I wanted to ask you this. We wait, talked. Wait, wait, time out. Uh oh, oh, go I ahead. Sorry, I just jumped right in. I apologize. Well, yeah, you know, you guys were ripping me for some of my tennis comments before the break oh, here, boy. and I think Greg Doyle's got my back on this. Greg, did I just see from you that? <laughs> You were reminding us that Ben Shelton, who we saw win last night in the U.S. Open, go to the semifinals. His mom is a Carmel native, right? How about that? His mom is a Witzkin, and this this area, if you know tennis at all, yeah. you know the Witzkin family. Oh, yeah. Todd and Brian Witzkin. And her, Todd is her brother. They're both her brothers. She's a sister. She's one of three great Witzkin siblings, maybe more, that played. That's his mom. His dad, Shelton's dad, was the, his you know college tennis coach, so... The family jokes about like we're not sure which family got gave him the better tennis genes. He was born to play. He was born to do this. Also, Rajiv Ram right played at Carmel and he Legend. did a U.S. Open men's double semifinalist. We are all over this U.S. Open. Look at this. That's Olympic medalist Rajiv Ram here. Thank you, Greg, for that. See, look no. at these local connections. Yeah, you no. guys are bad mouthing. Well, you, I, you weren't going with the local connections. You well, were just kind of talking. You were talking tennis. You were just talking tennis <laughs> at eight o'clock. No, I knew Greg. Know, Greg would tie it all together. Did you know Shelton had a local connection? No, I did not. I was watching last <laughs> night, and I thought, this dude is an athlete, and he looks like somebody that could be here for a long, long time. But I did see his yeah. mom. I mean, they obviously showed her a lot. But you know, once you said Witzkin, I mean, obviously, yeah, that's a huge name. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really – it's always nice when – we've got all kinds of news happening around the country. So last night, you see that guy make his MLB debut for the Diamondbacks? Um, oh, guard or something. Jeez. I'll be honest with you, I didn't know the name. But he played at IU, and so I looked him up like, I know that name. Why do I know that name? He played at IU. I tweeted it out. He, he drafted, they drafted him four years ago. He's the bigs last night, made his debut, and had a great debut. Look at this. We're, we're learning things All today. All these local stories. I like that. Greg Doyle bringing it per usual here <laughs> on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, all right, Greg, let's start with the Colts. Um, you were obviously there last week with Chris Ballard. How does this Jonathan Taylor situation get resolved, or does it? Unless, you know, I quote myself only because I feel silly saying something I've written without acknowledging I've written this, but unless he has a lobotomy, John Taylor's never going to play here again because he's... That's a T-word there. He's not Jonathan Taylor anymore. I don't know who he is, but he's not... He this is Well, this is Jonathan Taylor 2.0, and this guy has more wide receiver diva in him than the Jonathan Taylor we all loved around here. I mean, that guy was so humble and, and team first and always talking about his offensive line and, you know, the most explosive back in the NFL. We'd ask him about it. He'd say, well, they make me these holes. And, you know, he, he that's who he was. Now he's, he's – I've not even played – not even played the fourth year of my four-year contract, and I'm already basically holding out. I mean, that's – something fundamental has changed. So you're asking how does this end. This ends either with him having a lobotomy and coming back or the Colts <laughs> trading him – before the trade deadline, because they don't need him. They're not winning this year. They're, they're not with him, without him. They're not winning more than three games. So they don't need him. So you think this is definitely a holdout? Oh, there's no question. I, I, the question I have, and maybe the, the answer is, it's gone so long the Colts would then be admitting that they've lied about injuries and that might be a fine thing. And I, I don't want to make the Colts bad guys because they're not. They, they have allowed him to be physically unable to perform uh, because they don't want to, you know, out him as doing what he's doing, and they don't want to, you know, to subject him to fines and all that. They they keep thinking they can find an amicable situation solution to this. So, do I think he's really hurt? No, but I think the trade has gone on so long that he has to be on the pup list until he either comes off it here or gets traded. How do you think, I guess, what were your takeaways? How did Chris Ballard do fielding, uh, in your opinion, fielding questions for the better part of a half an hour? And obviously 90% of them were about Jonathan Taylor. He was as honest as he could be. I mean, he, he made it clear that they want him, that it's, it's, it's 
screwed up that you know if people think that we don't want him we want him but i it, look it's been a week week plus i don't remember the details anymore but i remember people asking me what about that word salad that ballard you know gave and all that and i'm like that's not what happened he sat up there and as much as he could he he told us what's going on he's as frustrated as anybody so i, I thought he handled it well the problem is he doesn't have any good answers to give you right. know he's got nothing to say so if you're holding it against him that he didn't announce that Jonathan Taylor's coming back, okay, he didn't announce that. But I thought he did just fine. Greg Doyle with us hanging out. He's from the Indianapolis Star. Pay less liquors hotline here on the fan on this Wednesday. Uh, you mentioned just something we've been talking about. You know, we just threw out the the what if. If Jonathan Taylor, maybe, maybe he's not happy, but he's still playing. We've seen, you know, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Mike Evans is going to play this year, and he's not happy in the final year of his deal. If Jonathan Taylor, you know, we're practicing and we knew he was going to be playing week one against Jacksonville, uh, the negativity, the toxicity, whatever words you want to use, use maybe even just simply wins and losses how different do you think this team would be and we'd be talking about this team if JT were playing and he were ready to go well there'd be more hope because you'd at least say the offense has a big time talent that the defense has to focus on so maybe Richardson can drop back with a little bit more time and maybe when he runs there'll be a little bit wider lanes for him because the defense will be keying on Taylor, because they're not keying on uh, Zach Moss. I mean, he, Zach Moss right. is fine. He's a bowling ball, and he's fine. He's fine, but you don't key on Zach Moss. Zach Moss is what you call, uh, I believe it's a Jag, J-A-G. He's just another guy. That's the problem with these Colts. They've got a whole bunch of Jags. Just another guy. And Zach Moss is just another guy. Jonathan Taylor's not just another guy. He's just another Hall of Famer if he's healthy. And, and now that I think about it, you know, there, there's a certain amount of games that you you can't miss without this year, basically your contract getting, as they say in the NFL, told, T-O-L-L-E-D, told to the next year. So he'll be in the same situation next year, and he's way too smart to let that happen. His, his agent is not, but Taylor is. So maybe how this plays out, as I rewrite myself with my edit key, is that after his pup thing ends, he agrees to play for the Colts for a few games, just so he can show the NFL he's healthy, and then they can trade him. Because right now, I mean, he's, he's, he and his again, his agent's a complete buffoon. His agent has chosen, let's just pretend you're hurt, and that will drive up your market value. Oh, that's great. Running backs are already facing the, the bias and even the truth of you guys wear out fast, and you don't get second contracts because you're not going to be that healthy for your second contract. So these geniuses decided the best way we're going to get Jonathan Taylor some leverage is to pretend the surgery he had that was real is still lingering seven months later. That, that'll work. Hey, let, hey, suitors, the line to give him $10 million a year starts over there. Greg Coyle's <laughs> with us here. Good thing we had the pause there. Yeah. From the, from the Indianapolis Star. <laughs> I agree. Greg, um, from your opinion back, whatever, April 28th, the night the Colts drafted Anthony Richardson to where you're at here you know, some 72, 96 hours before the season opener. Where are you at with the outlook, the anticipation, the intrigue of Anthony Richardson, and how has that changed, if any, over the last handful of months? It's changed a lot, but not because of anything he's done. He's He is spectacular. He can be spectacular. The tools are spectacular. We've all seen the tools. How it's changed is the Colts have completely let him down. If you told me, if you told any of us, now I, Colts fans are like, oh, you're so negative. Yeah, have you looked at the Colts record for the last five years, Colts fans? There's a reason I'm negative. Oh, but you're so, yeah, I'm negative. Grow up. If you told me on April 28th, whatever, that they're going to go into the season opener with their best receiver will be Pittman, their second best receiver will be Pierce, who still can't catch the ball in training camp, and their third best receiver will be a guy you never heard of. And their tight ends are going to be basically the same, and their offensive line will be the exact same, and the running backs, actually, they're going to screw up, and John Taylor's going to screw up. Zach Moss is his running back. If you told me that is what Anthony Richardson is starting his rookie year with, that, I'd have been happy they got a player that, that has a lot of ceiling, but I'd say, well, they're, they're ruining him. They're ruining him right now because and they're, they're not. I'm going too far on that. But they're not, they've not given him anything to succeed with. And on the one hand, yeah, they're going to be drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. next year. That's fun. But these next 17 games, I hope, they, I hope he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, tell me, I'm, tell me, I'm wrong. I agree tell with you. Listeners, that I'm wrong because they're going to come after me like I'm some mean guy. I'm the guy that tells the truth. I know you guys do too. I'm saying in print, everybody's like Doyle's. You're so negative. I should read somebody. Go read somebody else. Go go do that. Go go read anybody else. I'm the guy telling you exactly what's happening here. 
Well, even if I think they, if you think they win three games, Greg, and I think they win five, I mean, that's not, I mean, and I'm not saying I, I, you know, feel that way. That's not that much of a difference. It's putting you basically at the top of the, of the draft coming up in April. Yeah. I, I think the majority of people agree. Well, look, it's like, it's like Major League Baseball. You know, even the worst teams win one third of their games because, you know, cause yeah. somebody has to win and, yeah. and maybe your AAA level players have a great game or, and maybe they're all stars. You know, Mike Trout goes over four every now and then. So you're going to, you're going to win a couple games just because you you can flip a weighted coin. Even the weighted coin will gift you a heads every now and then. I guess maybe I've never flipped a weighted coin, but there, you know, I don't know the the Vegas over under on their win total. I have no idea what it is. But six and a half. If I was six and a half, it? yeah, it's six and a half. Oh my God, yeah. they're giving you money. If you're taking the over on that, you're an idiot. <laughs> Anybody taking over on that, you're an idiot. You, I mean, you're a. Have I made that clear? You're an idiot if you're taking the over on that. <laughs> Greg, you were in West Lafayette on Saturday. Uh, more wins for the Colts, IU, or Purdue this year? Ooh, Ooh great one. Um, oh, that's a great one. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. You know, now, now you're painting me into this corner. Um, ah, come on. You can handle it. Jeez. Well, because the answer is none of them. You know, I don't know. <laughs> none of them? <laughs> no. I Are they I all going winless? <laughs> no, but they're all going to win about three. All of them. Three or four, um, two or three. I would say probably Purdue because Purdue, and I haven't looked at IU's schedule, but I assume it's very similar to Purdue's. They, Purdue has a brutal schedule this year, unlike last year, I'm, and I'm assuming IU has the same deal. I think Walters, we don't know what he can do, but we, we think he's going to be pretty good. We know that defense is very complicated, and it didn't know what it was doing in game one. That will get better. The offensive line has all these makeshift pieces that will get better. I see reason to think that this new Purdue system, with this new offensive line, this new everything, new quarterback, I, I see reason to think they're going to get better. Their schedule's so hard, I don't know how they get into a bowl game. I wrote in my Purdue game story the other day that um, I can see six wins on the schedule, but, and then I wrote, but I'm being honest, I was looking at that um, with one eye closed, and with, oh, with a magnifying glass and wishful thinking. So I'm going to say Purdue's going to win more games than IU and the Colts, but none of them are going to be all that good. And I don't say that with glee. I just that's just how it is. Greg Doyle, of course, uh, Greg. If you uh, if you watch IU, you have to wear an old leather helmet, given that they don't throw the ball. They only had 80, 82 yards passing uh, on that entire uh, in that entire game. Last one for me. I, I know you tweeted it out, read the story this morning. You've done some reporting on the IHS AA. Uh, tell the people, you know, kind of what you've written here, what your journalism has led you to, and some of the issues that you have. Well, first of all, I've written about the IHSA transfer process many, many times. Um, because it's it's awful. It just is, and and, and I write I write about them all the time. I mean, again, five or six times maybe. And every time I write them, I get deluged with emails, and every single one of them tells me I'm right, and they have their own horror story. I will tell you that, and and, and Kevin, and both of you, you've been doing this long enough to know when you write or say something attacking somebody else or criticizing somebody else, you merely get told by a whole lot of people you're wrong. No one's ever told me I'm wrong about that. I just say nobody. And, but but tons of people, I've got so much stuff I could write about them. In fact, I thought about doing a weekly segment on the IHSAA. Here's the latest thing. But the latest thing is, they've got a kid. Indian Creek has decided this kid shouldn't be able to play for Greenwood. He transferred to Greenwood. Indian Creek said, nah, you can't play for them. He's a senior. He has college hopes. Without a college scholarship, he won't go to college at all. Indian Creek said, nah, we don't want you to play. The IHSA backed it up and said, yeah, you can't play. So here's the deal. This kid's younger sister was receiving inappropriate uh, Snapchat messages from a coach on the Indian Creek coaching staff. That, that happened back in January. That triggered a lot of dominoes, as you can imagine. A lot of anger sure. from this kid's family, from this kid himself. It triggered dominoes, and the kid may, may have done a thing or two or said a thing or two. They got to his attention because he's hot about his sister being flirted with by a 44-year-old on staff. Indian Creek has decided... You're not eligible uh, to play next. And the HSA didn't look at this and say, you know what? There's some gray here. This guy, this guy's younger sister was was inappropriately reached out. And anyway, I'm I'm, I'm baffled. And I'm, in my story, I'm asking readers, what if this 18 year old boy was your son? Would you be okay with this? Mm-hmm. What if that 15 year old girl, his sister, was your daughter? Would you be okay with any of this? The HSA said, you know what? We're okay with this because the HSA is kind of like the cult. No. The IHSA are the kind of people that would take the over on the Colts. That's who the IHSA is. Man, I was hovering around six. I mean, I'm I'm mad because the thing is is that I'm a dad. I don't have a daughter, but I'm a dad. I got two sons. And I look at 
most stories I write, you know, Anthony Richardson even, I think, how would I want someone to write about my kid? And Jonathan Taylor, I used to love you, but, but until you get a lobotomy, you know, I, I can't help you with that. How, but the way the IHSA handles, handles these kids and decides the schools are right, when there are so many facts, you're like, I can't believe they did this. The IHSA hopes that they do these things in, in private because no one ever finds out. Guess what, IHSA? I'm in town, baby. I'm finding out. In the regular F season. Around and I'll find out. Listen to this. <laughs> F around, and I'll find out. I don't know if we've ever had an F around, F around and you'll there. find out the word. I think I think Greg used lobotomy like seven times. I, I think he's in regular season I, form. Yes, you are. It's game week. You're damn right, it's game week. Football programmer. I am the only football program in town in regular season. Yeah, sport. yeah. You you are the Center Grove of football programs right now. Which I, I don't know. I guess Center Grove in state maybe would be the better way to put Westfield, that. Westfield, baby. I'm I'm all Westfield because I wrote about their coach who ran for mayor back in May, in the spring. So I'm I'm Westfield right now. Oh, Anthony Richardson's little brother playing freshman football up there. All right, Greg, uh, thank you for the time. We will see you later today and appreciate all all the energy and the strong takes per usual. Thank you, gentlemen. Bye.